In these days of rolling news and microscopic analysis, it's perhaps still heartening that some things in football can take us completely by surprise. And Jurgen Klopp's announcement that he will leave Liverpool at the end of the season comes under that category. He'll depart Anfield as a living legend, regardless of what happens in the rest of this season. But the Red, with the Reds still in the League Cup, the FA Cup and the Europa League, and still proudly sitting atop the Premier League, it could be the most glorious of goodbyes. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. No startling goodbyes when it comes to our top tipping team, at least as far as I know. Uh, starting with Mark O'Hare. Uh, Mark, first your reaction to this really quite extraordinary news. And then how do you think the Reds will fare against Chelsea this midweek? Yeah, you're right, Kev. I was trying to think um, on Friday and over the weekend of when was the last time such kind of big seismic news broke when without any sort of rumours or speculation surrounding it and um, I, I couldn't really think of it to be honest and took everyone by surprise. Um, I presume it was going to be leaked and that's probably what sped up the process but I remember when Sir Alex Ferguson announced his departure um, but that was before so the social media age as well so we kind of were reliant on, on newspapers daily or, or twice daily newspapers really for our, our big breaking news but this was, was something completely different so yeah, his impact on Liverpool and English football as a whole has been uh, enormous. Um, you know, compare what Liverpool have achieved to, to Man City and, you know, without the backing of the oil money, he's managed to make Liverpool a, a serious, serious threat, not just at, at home, but also abroad. He's brought that end to a ending wait for a, a title, um, a Premier League title, brought the European glory to, to Liverpool as well. Um, but I think most impressively for me, He's made uh, like a 90 points haul in the Premier League, not a guarantee of a Premier League title, which is something I never thought I'd see the day. Um, we've seen it in La Liga quite endlessly, really. He needs 90, 90 plus points to sort of beat the other one. But in the Premier League, it was never really the case. But now it certainly is. And yeah, you have to assume the news will have some sort of impact on Liverpool's campaign, um, perhaps starting this midweek against Chelsea. I think it's always been a, a very competitive affair between these two teams. There's still probably a, a degree of bitterness and rivalry from the um, Benitez and Mourinho era. But um, the atmosphere might be a little bit different this midweek. It helps that it's a midweek night match as well. I know they played Norwich on Sunday in the FA Cup, but that wasn't really a huge deal for, for Liverpool. Um, this certainly is, and I expect there might be a a decent kind of outpouring of emotion from the stands uh, between now and the end of the campaign. So it might be a slightly more frenzied atmosphere at Anfield compared to your normal sort of Saturday afternoon slots or even a Sunday afternoon. And I think from a Chelsea perspective, it's possibly one of the, the worst things to happen in terms of your preparation for this game because it just adds that extra extra bit of something for Liverpool, um, a little bit of spark, who knows really how they might react. It could easily go the other way, of course, but I'd be surprised if it did. But I, I guess like a new manager bounce, we might see a, a kind of loved, adored manager announces a departure bounce. I, I don't really know, but we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> That's um, a new one. It is. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I've said throughout the whole season, really, I, I've been picking holes in all of the front runners in the Premier League. I'm still not completely convinced we've seen anywhere near this, the best of Liverpool. Um, I do believe there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, they'll at least come into this clash, presumably with, with Trent and, and Robinson available again. 
Um, Salah's probably missing, of course, uh, with injury rather than Egyptian international duty. Um, but they're still very well stocked in forward areas. Uh, and Endo is missing as well in midfield. And we've covered his importance in that area of the field for, for quite some time. But yeah, I, I do think Liverpool will react to the news positively. I'm going to back them to win this game against Chelsea alongside over one and a half goals, which comes in around four to five on the sports book. Um, to kind of state the obvious, Liverpool, we know, are pretty fearsome at Anfield. Eight wins from 10 in the league this season, scoring twice or more in each of those victories. 21 wins from 29 league games since the start of last season. And if I've kind of been picking holes for Liverpool um, or kind of expecting a little bit more or, or hoping to see more from them throughout the campaign, the same could obviously be labelled at Chelsea, who in the results would say they have improved lately. But um, you look at who they've played and the performances in those victories. I know they blew Borough away in the cup, but you know Borough missing basically a dozen players going into that game. Um, you can and easily they turn it around horribly. They made some really awful mistakes, didn't they? In that game, they did. Yeah, but you can you know for all the positives of that potential performance, look at what they did in the first leg, um, which is probably more in keeping of what they might do at Anfield because it was away from Stamford Bridge and the three Premier League wins they've accrued in the last um, few months came against Luton, Fulham, and Palace. Now Chelsea would obviously be heavily favoured to win those matches anyway, so. None of them were actually that dominant either. So they've been, for me, reliant very much on key individuals, most notably Cole Palmer. They've been rarely kind of been emphatic in their, in their victories. So, yeah, I'm still struggling to kind of work out what the obvious approach or the game plan is most of the time too. And I know they've had injuries to deal with, but so have every other team in the Premier League, some more so than Chelsea as well. So I think you have to be sort of questioning Chelsea. Now we're coming into to February now and, especially away from home, five defeats and 10, Spurs their only victory away against a team higher than 13th, and that comes with a, a massive asterisk. So uh, I know the last seven games between these two teams have been drawn, um, but I wouldn't be basing my bet on that. Uh, I'm not a particularly fond fan of head-to-head -head stats at the best of times. No. But yeah, I well, think They're very Liverpool... different teams now, aren't they? I mean, this, this Chelsea team is completely different to the one that, for example, drew those cup finals against Liverpool a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, diff different coach, different players. Um, yeah, everything's different basically. So it's it's irrelevant really to me. But um, I, I think Liverpool, crucially, this game's at Anfield. Based on what we've seen, or based on the news we've heard in the last week, I think they will rise to the occasion. I can see them scoring a couple of goals, and if they do so, I think it's difficult to sort of deny them a victory here. So Chelsea will have to be at their absolute best, and defensively, as we've talked about almost routinely, um, they haven't been that for for quite a long time. Tipster, odds compiler and Liverpool fan Mark Stinchcombe is with us. Stinch, this is an enormous blow to Liverpool. There's no way round that. Just put into words your assessment of his time at Liverpool. And do you actually think that this announcement increases the chances of them winning trophies this season or will it not really have a tangible impact? Yeah, I mean, his impact, I think, has been phenomenal. There's maybe people judge him on only one Premier League trophy, but you know when he took over Liverpool, I think they were averaging like sixty points, sixty-five points in like the previous sort of six seasons. He's now got them averaging, uh, I think it's just shy of ninety per season. I mean, that's so that's wild, an, isn't it? Yeah, that is an, wild. That's an additional six or seven wins. He's got the highest win percentage of any manager in Liverpool's history with with over sixty percent. And he's also won the most points from losing positions across Europe's top five leagues since he's arrived at the club. So this like whole mentality monsters that is sort of laughed at by other people is, is true, basically. It's true. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. 
So he's had a, a phenomenal impact and obviously it's difficult to quantify, but if it wasn't for, you know, Man City's financial irregularities, I don't know if that's fair because we don't know if it's true or not, basically, but obviously having to lost... To be the, decided. <laughs> yeah, I mean, having lost the league title twice by one point with over with over 90 points, you know, you'd, he, he, you could argue you could have at least... Three more, two more, perhaps Premier League trophies, and so I, I you know, I wouldn't necessarily ju- judge him on that success when you're coming up against, you know, uh, the the machine that is that is Man City. So, yeah, I think for phenomenal impact. Um, I don't think it's really been discussed uh, many places, but um, yeah, I'd be concerned uh, for Liverpool next season. I think it could they. They could go from a, a title contender to, you know, a top four contender. I could, I could see them going backwards, you know, in 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 days gone by, uh, you know, the old school Shankly Paisley, the, the they would uh, promote Great from in house, yeah. um, with all the backroom staff going. That obviously won't be happening. Um, Is and- there a manager that appeals to you, Stinch? Is there somebody that I mean? I know people have made this kind of romantic link with. Xavi Alonso, and I get it, and he's doing very well at Bayer Leverkusen, but that doesn't automatically mean just because he played for the club, he's the best man for the job. I imagine there'll be uh, a more rigorous process than that that Liverpool will undertake, or at least I hope so anyway. Um, is there anyone that stands out to you from who might be available? No, I think it's it's very, very difficult. I mean, the the only person in the same class as Guard as a uh, Klopp would you would say would be Guardiola, and I obviously wouldn't envisage that move happening. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, you know, in sort of since he retired, what ten years ago or something. Uh, Gerard's always been the romantic choice, but obviously his his career has taken a bit of a uh, a bit of a nosedive right now. Alonso would seemingly in my mind I feel like he's a Real Madrid manager in, in waiting you know the style of football that he's got playing with with Leverkusen um, I watched him on uh, Saturday against Gladbach they only drew 0-0 but Back it's like them. it's like All men v- through. Yeah. it's like men v boys they just absolutely dominated them um, so I I, I con- concerned because he's obviously only been a uh, he's only been a sort of a, a manager uh, um, sort of fe- uh, like a top well outside of you know youth teams and that um at Leverkusen for for just over a year yeah so I would be concerned it might be a bit early but um yeah I I don't really see anyone as a logical um someone in the same class as as Klopp and so maybe you have to just say right Alonso here you go and you you know give him I mean Liverpool fans would always give managers time anyway so he would get time to embed his ideas and and stuff so but maybe that's the that's the way to go uh Roberto De Zerbi has been touted I think he would be fun um but um you know not sure about maybe it's it'll be like Klopp's first few seasons where it's just crazy defensively yeah just four free every week but uh, he but... is at least somebody who I think the style of football would buy him time because, oh yeah, you know, if you bring in somebody who's quite dour, I'm not saying Xabi Alonso is dour, his football's great, but it's just very different to what Klopp does. If you bring in Deserbi and it is a bit wild for a couple of years, I think people would wear that, wouldn't they, for a while? Yeah, I mean, I say Liverpool fans back any any manager not named Roy Hodgson, so there wouldn't be any issue with with giving giving them time. So yeah, that wouldn't be a problem. But yeah, I don't think it's quite sunk in that Liverpool there could be a big drop off basically next season. Yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, so the first thing I did uh, when I saw the news was back Liverpool to win uh, all, the, all the four competitions that they're still in. Uh, it sounds a bit wild, obviously, but we've seen two years ago, two games away. And yeah. and obviously, it doesn't include the Champions League um, favourites for two of the competitions in the, the Europa League and the, and the League Cup, obviously already in the League Cup final. Um, FA Cup got our home tie against a uh, championship team and Premier League obviously five points clear albeit with uh, City having a, a game in hand but I don't think City uh, have been the machine maybe they have in previous seasons and I think the absence of, of Gundogan and, and Mares uh, is maybe not being um, it, the cracks are being papered over maybe a little bit there Um so yeah, I mean it's it's not like you're you're backing it, expecting it to win, but it's a bit of fun. Uh, it's forty to one on on the sports book. There is there is eighty to one elsewhere. Um, so yeah, I think that's a that's a bit of fun. But I am surprised that Liverpool. Um, if he, he if Klopp told the club in November, I am surprised that uh, there's there's nobody announced already, or maybe they're not allowed to announce it. But you know, I'd be disappointed if there hasn't been planning. Um, gone on and they they know what they're going to do and it's not just because somebody was going to leak it and they've they've released the news and they still haven't decided on what the plan's going to be because obviously with all the backroom staff as well that's massive and I think the sporting director might be might be leaving as well but in terms of yeah. in terms of the the match against Chelsea um I feel like uh, the fans are done and dusted now with the news they got out of the system with the game against Norwich Norwich game was very fun um so I don't think there'll be the sort of tense element or like um yeah i don't i don't think the news now will, will impact the 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 games going forward in a negative way uh, i definitely think it, it can be like um uh you know sort of the um it, it gets the players together and it gives them the yeah. impetus to to go on and, and be successful so i can i i only see it being positive now um but uh yeah in terms of in terms of the match itself i I think the Premier League right now is really difficult. Even though we've had this like January break, I won't call it winter break because it's it's not the same as the Bundesliga. You don't get as much time off at all. Yeah, so many in at most. So, yeah, I mean, there's so many injuries everywhere. I think it's really difficult to to judge. I mean, you look at Chelsea. Um, Nkunku's injured again, uh, which is a massive shame. Uh, yeah. Nicholas Jackson's away, so you know there's obviously lost some goals there. Uh, Rhys James has been huge for them in terms of uh, chance creation from from the from from down the side. Uh, Sanchez in goal, you know when you're trying to build a new style of play with playing out from the back, you're missing yeah. your main goalkeeper comes into it. I think Liverpool have handled their injuries and absences situation really really well. Um, but but again, there's, there's still you know um, missing salary is is still enormous. Not sure whether Trent uh, and or Robertson will start this game. But yeah, I think there's just uh, so many unknowns, and I understand what you both say regarding um, the the head to head. The fact that it's it's from Chelsea's perspective, a lot of different players, a different manager. But from Liverpool's perspective, I still think there may be a bit of a uh, mental block, you know, having not beaten them in eight meetings is quite big. And, and Chelsea have been quite low in terms of uh, performance levels during that period, whereas Liverpool's hasn't really wavered too much. So that's the only thing that sort of puts me off from from back in uh, Liverpool. But I think I, I do think I would want to be pro-Liverpool if you take away that kind of possibility with with the mental block, just the way they've handled the, the injuries 
situation um there was a couple of bets that i was looking at sort of in the in the prop markets um i think they might be a bit anticlimactic if the two fullbacks come in but certainly if they're going to be playing in four competitions for a long period there'll be some rotation so uh sort of maybe just a couple to keep an eye on um if you if you get the opportunity with with these players actually that, that take the pitch so connor bradley um three assists in his last three games Looks I good, doesn't he? Absolutely Looks really good. How high he gets up the pitch. Like he's not even a right winger. It's like he's a right forward at times. He just doesn't <laughs> it's like he's been given the license not to worry about uh marking his winger. Just go and try yeah. and win the ball back high up the pitch. And it's the yeah. interpretation of what Trent does, but a completely different way of doing it. But it's effectively the same liberty, isn't it? Really? I mean it's great because he's just really one dimensional. It just stays tight to the touchline and just goes up and down just in one line basically. And it's it's fantastic. I mean for the I think it was the second goal against Norwich. Like he was already high up the pitch. He ran back, won the ball back, and then went on to set up a, set up the goal. So that that was uh, that was really good. Um, it's also worth looking at his shot prices as well. Uh, he's only had one Premier League start against Bournemouth, but he fired in three. Uh, and for Bolton, he, he won uh, a host of accolades last season. Um, players, player, fans, player, etc. He scored five yeah, goals sure. from Bolton at, at right back last uh, last season. So, yeah, he's a he's a huge threat in that respect. And then the other, the other player on the other side who's been very impressive, um, who's had a lot of critics over the years, is Joe Gomez mm-hmm. um, at, from left back, and he's appearing at central midfield at times, which is absolutely mad. Um, he's had he's had ten shots in in nine games from left back which is uh which is enormous when you look at his career average of just 0.3 shots per game so he's another one to keep an eye on i think you can get even probably around evens just for one shot if he was yeah. to play at left back um so yeah those two are definitely ones to keep an eye on um you know for example next round of the cup you'd imagine that they might be rotated back in against Watford or Southampton so yeah a few to keep an eye on there yeah, in terms of Liverpool planning for the next manager, my suspicion is that they've been drawing up a list, but because they wanted to keep things quiet about Klopp, they haven't contacted any agents or anything like that about potentially bringing somebody in. But I think once they get a sporting director in, whoever that happens to be, I think that's when that process will start accelerating. Now, we know that injury time goals can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bet. So you've now got 90-minute payout to rescue you. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description, 18+. plus. BeGambleAware.org. Both Everton and Fulham were dumped out of the FA Cup at the weekend. They face each other in the league in midweek. Stinch, it's quite a gloomy picture for Everton at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like after the news with the the points deduction, they they sort of bounced back from that and picked up a a few points. But recently, the performances have been quite dour. There's a 0-0 at home to Villa, 0-0 away at Palace. Uh, obviously the home defeat in the FA Cup against Luton that might actually be a blessing in disguise you know let's just concentrate on staying up this season not not worry about any other cup competitions um, you know whereas Fulham I think we discussed them earlier on the season we had some concerns even though they were even though they'd picked up uh, points and I think they were sat sitting sort of um, just below mid-table we were concerned that they'd only sort of been picking them up against Sheffield United and Luton yeah, but you have to say the the job that uh, that uh, Silver's done has been uh, incredible. You know, they, there was a period where they were scoring five every game. Um, they they ran Liverpool very close in terms of uh, making the final of the League Cup. Yes, so, uh, and you know, and obviously 
off the back of losing Mitrovic in the summer and, uh, you know, having to rely on, on Raul Jimenez, who, who weren't quite sure about after his injury. Um, yeah, done, done really, really well. Um, so I was perhaps a little bit surprised to see uh, Fulham here chalked up um, just 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 uh, bigger than six to four. Um, which kind of says that on neutral ground, Everton would be would be favourites, and and without the without Decore, who's Everton's top goal scorer, I'm not sure I could agree with that. But the the reason I wanted to touch on this game was the a goal angle um, with the with the Premier League this season, um, three point one one goals per game compared to two point eight five last season is an enormous shift. And I think we all know why that shift has happened. It's it's this all this additional injury time we're getting at the yeah, the end sure. of the game. Twenty six percent of Premier League goals are coming in the final fifteen minutes of the season, which is the the most of the all the fifteen minute uh, brackets. One hundred and seventy goals were seen in, in that period, which is wow. absolutely enormous. Uh, the next highest is one hundred and twelve, which is between sixty and seventy five, and. It was it was only twenty percent in this bracket last season, so it's it's an enormous shift. But it's completely obvious. I mean, uh, what was it? Sheffield United West Ham uh, uh, last weekend uh, had the latest ever goal in in the Premier League. So you know, it's it's obvious that these this is going to happen with this additional injury time. So I was just surprised if you look at the over two and a half goal uh, odds for for all the matches this midweek. Um, eight of the of the ten games are four to six or shorter for over two point five goals. Yet this game is 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 nineteen to twenty, so nearly evens. So I just thought it was something that uh, that can easily get involved in. Um, I mean, it's, neither team are, are absolutely crazy. Uh, both of them are only averaging sixty percent over two point five goals, but obviously, you know, much higher than 50, the fifty percent that you'd yeah, look at absolutely. in terms of evens. Uh, and the sort of only negative, really, from my from my opinion, is. Uh, is the absence of of the aforementioned Decore is top scorer for Everton, but he's only six goals. So it's not as if he's, um, you know, it's not as if he's in double figures or whatever. So I definitely think there's people that can go on and contribute. And it might seem a bit mad, but you know, given Fulham sort of just license just to throw men forward, that potential they could cover the line by themselves. So yeah, that was that was the angle I wanted to try and I wanted to try and get an over two point five bet in. And um, yeah, given the odds. I thought this one was worth chancing. Tottenham slipped out of the FA Cup against Manchester City, but a place in Europe very much still up for grabs, Mark. Can they bounce back against Brentford, who, of course, uh, boosted by the return of Ivan Tony recently? But it's difficult to know where they're at. They've had a lot of injuries as well, haven't they? Yeah, I, I've... I'm not too fond of Brentford right now. Um, so that's largely down to those injuries. I know Ivan Tony coming back is... Is a massive boost and getting that win against Nottingham Forest as well in the last Premier League match was a, a big boost too. But I didn't think it was completely convincing and obviously requires a bit of gamesmanship from Tony to to help them over the line. And Forest are missing some big, big individuals of their own. They already had a, a long list of absentees for injury and international duty. And then they had Alanga and Morgan Gibbs-White pull out on the eve of the match too. So Forest were down to the bare bones and, and Brentford kind of... Struggled their way through that game. Defensively, again, looked a little bit open, um, looked a little bit fragile. It's now, uh, with that win, they've in the last nine games, they've lost seven of those um, in the league. And their away record so far this season has been pretty poor. Six defeats in the last eight since August, away from home in the Premier League. And they've only been to one top six team so far this season too. So I'm quite happy to oppose them here because I think for the first time this season, 
Spurs did fail to fire on Friday night against City. Just the one shot, very unusual for not just Tottenham, but a Postacoglu team to be nullified in that manner. But in fairness to Man City, I thought they were absolutely superb. Um, you know, they, they just completely controlled the game. They were very professional. They were a class apart, really. And um, it shows kind of the, the levels that they can reach and, and where Spurs want to try and reach. But um, I do think Spurs will be eager to bounce back. I do feel like this is a good opportunity in midweek. Um, I do feel like Brentford are often a worthy underdog, quite awkward team to, to play, but um, they have enjoyed a tough campaign. And, you know, selection-wise coming into this game, they are still missing a, a few key players, um, yeah, particularly at fullback and, and Sergi Reguilón can't play because of the terms of his loan as well. So they are still lacking key players in, in defensive positions. And I think few teams you want to play against with as much firepower as Tottenham, even without Son. So, you know, Spurs at home, seven wins from 10, 10 wins from 12 across all venues against teams in 10th and below. They scored twice or more in 11 of 12 against teams in 10th and below. Um, overall, we've talked about it many times, they've scored at least twice in 15 of 21 league matches this season, which is incredible, really, considering they lost Harry Kane and they've been um, <laughs> basically introducing a brand new side under Postacoglu this season. Um, and they're playing a, B- a B's team with just three clean sheets so far this season too. So I'm expecting Spurs to score at least twice here. And if they do score twice, I expect them to win the game too. Um, you could argue that they're not far off their best 11. I know there's no Son. I know there's no Basuma, but Bentancur is back in midfield. I think he's a, an enormous boost for them, uh, both yeah. with and without he's the ball. Brilliant too. player, isn't he, Benson Magnificent, player. yeah. Um, he's better than what they've got already there in, in terms of Basuma and Saar. So um, I've not got too many complaints about their midfield right now. Um, and yeah, I think they're in good shape. So um, I'll back Spurs to win and over 1.5 goals, which comes in at 10 to 11. Yeah, the absence of Brian and Burma, I think, has been massive for Brentford. Uh, recently as well. Such a dynamic player for them. Uh, Crystal Palace have got some dynamic players, but they're often injured. And they find themselves just five points above the drop zone as they take on Sheffield United. Stinch, this feels like probably Palace's biggest game of the season so far, right? Yeah, maybe maybe the biggest game for, for Roy Hodgson. Um, they're, they're, they're not impressing over, over a long period now. Uh, just three wins in the last 20 games. Uh, and they've only scored 17 goals in 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 that period. You know that that's the concern really. Where do where do the goals come from? Um, they're 1.7 to beat Sheffield United. You know you know when you're going through the 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 coupon if you like, and you you want to have a fun accumulator or whatever, and you you know you pick a load of odds on shots to win because. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't pick Palace. <laughs> no, that's that's what I mean. Like it's it's yeah. the the you know the price just leaped off the page as being. Very, very short. Um, it's just two home wins in 11 this season. They failed to score in five of those games. Really doesn't give you any confidence. I look at the team and, yeah, I'm a big I'm a big Eze fan, but I think the, the absence of Michael Elise is even even bigger. Um, yeah. I think he's I think he's better, arguably, than Eze or maybe has a bigger impact. I mean, they're, they're both great. Um, but but I think his absence is, is bigger. Uh, second top goal scorer, Elise. Um, even Jordan Ayew, uh, he's got the most assists for Palace this season. Uh, regularly fouled, uh, you know, he gets the team up the pitch. I think he's a, a big absence as well. So, yeah, there's no way I'd want to back uh, Crystal Palace here at 1.7. Don't get me wrong, I don't want to get with, with Sheffield United 
really. But you know, under Wilder, been better under yes, Wilder, do you think? Gonna, yeah, that's what I was going to uh, say. I think they've been more competitive. I don't think they're trying to do anything clever. You know, it was, it was funny. I was watching the game against uh, Sheffield United, and uh, literally it was just throw in after throw in after throw in uh, <laughs> the 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 entire game. And you, Old you could a- you could argue it worked because you look at the the penalty that they got, which. I don't know how it's a penalty. It's an, it's, it's an outrage. It's an outrage. That penalty is one of the worst decisions I've seen all season. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I, they, I get. I guess I. I get that you can argue it, it could possibly be a penalty, but surely it's just at the end of the day, it's just a coming together, isn't it? And you just play on. It's not a clear and obvious penalty. Like it's not something you can clearly like hand on heart, hundred percent penalty, even ninety percent, even sort of sixty, seventy percent, just mad. But it showed that if you just keep putting the ball in the box, you you could get dividends. So, um, yeah, I definitely feel they've made them a bit competitive. I don't want to read too much into the game on Saturday against Brighton, mainly because Brighton are just crazy. But um, yeah, I, I think this I think this might be tighter than the the odds suggest. Um, I know I know he played on Saturday again. I, I don't want to read too much into just one game, but I, I was really surprised they were able to get Ivo Gerbic on a permanent deal from Atletico Madrid. I think that's a huge upgrade on on Fodringham. Um, you know, Fodringham was wasn't even good enough according to Paolo Di Canio in the in the lower league. So um, you know, we've seen him we've seen him commit that's at going least back a, a bit. <laughs> yeah, we see we well we've that's why I'm surprised he's playing Premier League to be honest. Uh, and we've seen him commit a few errors this season as well. So I think it's a huge upgrade. Uh, I'm surprised they've got him on a permanent deal. Um, but maybe money talks. Um it's not a lot to go off on him in terms of you know trying to justify my opinion that he's a good goalkeeper. But uh, in the 12 games he did play for Atletico last season he did have a, a plus one point eight post shot expected goal return. So it says the year has got the ability to to save chances that he shouldn't really be saving. So yeah I think this I think this would be a lot tighter than the odds suggest. So I, I quite like Sheffield United plus one here around about one point eight on the exchange. So at the as long as they don't lose by more than one goal Sheffield United we will at least get our, our money back. But um yeah I, th- I obviously I, I think the beauty of this is like I think Generally, you'd probably want to get involved in unders, but there's, I can't be back in unders in the Premier League when I don't know how much yeah. injury time there's going to be. So I think this is the, the better uh, approach to back Sheffield United on the handicap. Wolves came through what is fair to say was a fiery derby against West Brom at the weekend. A bit too fiery off the pitch, quite frankly. Um, they are unbeaten in their last seven competitive matches as they take on Manchester United at Molyneux. Mark, Wolves utterly dominated the reverse fixture. Somehow ended up losing 1-0 in one of the weirdest games I think we've seen all season. I, I must admit, I was quite impressed with them against Brighton the other night. It was a poor game. But I thought they sat up in their block and they just waited for opportunities on the counter. Yes, they didn't take them. But Gary O'Neill's done a hell of a job. Yep, um, hell of a job considering he arrived on the eve of the campaign. And you compare his job with Wolves so far this season with Eric Ten Hag's job with Manchester United. It's chalk and cheese, really. And I think you asked a question to, was it Emmett last week uh, about... um, I can't actually remember the question, but it's basically suggesting. <laughs> um, it was, it was basically can't saying. Can't remember the question or who I asked it to, but apart yeah. from that, we're all good. Yeah, forget that. But basically, there's a, there's a few coaches who I think have kind of made other coaches look silly or look poor. Um, oh, uh, Postecoglou! It was Postecoglou yes. I was talking about. Yeah, because he's come in and basically changed his style like that. 
Yeah, and Gary O'Neill would be another one um, at Wolves um, who have made not just, I would say, Eric Ten Hag look poor, Mauricio Pochettino too, and even Lopetegui before him, because as you've said previously, Lopetegui had a few parting shots at Wolves um, based on the standard of players he had available to him and the lack of support from above. And Gary O'Neill. He's a moaning mini, that fella. Honestly, Lopetegui, every time I think he's going to rehabilitate his reputation, he does something dumb. Let's not forget, this is the snake who spoke to Real Madrid while he was supposed to be the Spain boss at a major tournament. And then he toddles off to Real Madrid and what happens? He gets sacked within months. Then he goes to Wolves and the whole time he's there, he acts as if he's doing them a massive favour by being there in his lovely polo neck, striding around the touchline. And then he's like, oh, you haven't spent 100 million on the squad. I'm going. No, no good. No, careful, careful, anyway. you, You're reaching like Ranieri, Hodgson, Lampard. No, no, he really annoys me. That man, he really irritates me. But anyway, we can yeah. we can carry on because I think he thinks he's way better than he is. But there we well, go. Well, Gary O'Neill's kind of probably put his uh, managerial stock down a few pegs after what he's achieved yeah. so far this 100%. season. Um, and yeah, looking at this game, I'm keen to back Wolves with a quarter goal start on the Asian handicap at 1.8. I wouldn't put anyone off backing Wolves to win the game around 2.9. For a number of reasons, really, um, if you look at the Premier League table, there's only three points separating these two sides. Um, and actually, had United not beaten Wolves on the opening weekend, as you suggested they shouldn't have, and I think most of us agree, then these two teams Anyone could with easily eyes, be... I think, would agree. <laughs> yeah, these two teams could easily be equal on 30 points in mid-table. Uh, and if we look at the underlying metrics, there's very little to, to choose between the two teams either. Um, I've basically got Man United as... 0.75 expected points better off than Wolves so far this season. So pretty much neck and neck. So I would say if you took out the names of these two teams, we ignored the wage bills and the budgets for both sides have and went purely off performances and what we've seen with our eyes so far this season, these two teams would be rated very similarly. And that's a theory kind of backed up in my tissue prices because I've got Wolves around 2.35, 2.4. Manchester United um, 3.0 at a minimum. So based on those metrics and metrics alone, Wolves deserve to be favourites, but they're outsiders to win this game. And if they were of equal quality to Manchester United, based on what we've seen so far this season, they'd be around 2.25, 2.3. So I'm quite happy to have them on side here, considering they're around 2.85, 2.9 to win the game. And obviously with that big price, we can get something else on side. So Hence the quarter goal start. Wolves don't have to win this game for us to make profit. If the game ends in a draw, we make a half stakes win. If Wolves win, we get paid out in full. If United win, we lose. So I quite like that angle because Wolves have been at their best at Molyneux so far this season. They're fresh off that big win against West Brom. They've lost just twice in 10 home league games under O'Neill. And curiously, both of those defeats came in their opening two home league games. So they're actually unbeaten in the last eight at home in the Premier League, winning five of them. Spurs, Chelsea, City, they've all been beaten here. Villa and Newcastle were held. Liverpool were given all sorts of trouble in the first half before battling they back in the second half. They battered Liverpool. They absolutely murdered Liverpool in that first half, didn't they? They really did. They deserve to be much further ahead than they were. So, you know, it could easily be a better sort of picture of results there from, from a Wolves perspective. And I was quite surprised to learn this, but since the start of match day 15th, 15, which is uh, going back to the 5th of December, only Liverpool have amassed more Premier League points than Wolves. Four wins, two draws, just the one defeat. It's four defeats in 16 now across all venues in the Premier League. I just think they deserve a little bit more respect from the market is giving them, considering United are this completely untrustworthy, erratic, inconsistent 
element we've seen so far this season. I mean, at one stage on Sunday, it looked like they could be on the verge of something really, really quite embarrassing and shocking at Newport. They managed to pull it out of the fire, but, you know, exclude the bottom four. United have lost five of seven away league games, picking up one point from the last four on the road, scoring just once. They've only once won by a margin of two goals or more across all venues in the Premier League. Their goal difference, which I think is always quite revealing, is minus five. They're the only top half side to have a minus goal difference and they've scored the same number of goals this season as Luton. So I've got them ranked 16th on away expected points with a minus 0.5 XG per game deficit. So on average, they are conceding almost 0.6 expected goals more than their opposition when playing away from home. So that's just not conducive for a side chasing top four, top six or anything really. Um, So I think they're easily opposed to these prices. You mentioned Luton. Uh, They started the season as many people's tip to finish bottom of the table. Hello. Uh, But they are still in with a decent shot of staying up. Uh, The Hatters face Brighton at Kenilworth Road. And Stinch, Brighton have slowed down a bit after a strong start to the season in terms of wins. I know they're still, you know, firing off goals left, right and centre and what have you. But it's not quite the runaway train it was in the opening weeks of the season. No, I mean just just quickly, uh, Gary O'Neill, eighty to one, next Liverpool manager. He did uh, he did have a spell as the assistant manager to the uh, under twenty threes just right. before we went to Bournemouth. So I was actually quietly confident O'Neill would do okay because I would imagine he would take on board some of the the stuff that he probably learned while he was at at uh, Melwood. So um, yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, Brighton. I feel like they've been. Well, again, like a lot of Premier League teams, just been struggling with the injuries, and then you so throw many. in the then you throw in the fact they got Europe. I mean, how they've lost Andrew Fatty for a while, uh, haven't they? I mean, and, and he Solid was looking, March. he was looking good. Yeah, I mean, Matoma's obviously away uh, in in the in the uh, Asian Cup. Um, two of their sort of dynamic uh, wide men. Um, so yeah, I just think they've been really unlucky, and then trying to juggle playing in, in Europe as well. So I'm not really going to. Um, you know, be too down on them or anything like that. I mean, obviously, uh, good uh, good win on Saturday at Sheffield United. That's the that's the Brighton we we all know and love, right? Um, <laughs> cru- cruising, but uh, we'll, we'll always give the opposition a chance. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, and no, I've been, I, I think I've been quite positive about Luton all season, to be honest. Um, very, 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 very impressed. Um, and I was always. Um, we always thought, given their sort of home environment, that would that would give them a a really good chance of staying up. But it's actually quite amusing. Their um their home results and, and away results are exactly the same. Two two wins uh, and two draws, both home and away, which surprises me really. Um, but you just look at results like winning at Everton uh, in the FA Cup. Just think they've got that togetherness, and I think it, you know, if, I mean, look, there could be more teams that get points deductions right so that that could be enough to keep them up so yeah lots a lot a lot of credit there um so yeah any game involving brighton you you want to look at goals over two and a half goals it is shorter than eight to 13 um but if we we add in both teams score as well it becomes five to six and i just think that's just massively not not rating luton's ability and you, you look at their um just both teams to score success rate i mean 16 of their 20 premier league games both teams have scored so it's not as if it's not as if they can't i mean they've scored at home to city they've scored at home to liverpool they've scored multiple goals goals at home to arsenal like not out of the question just to score once against Brighton. And we all know about Brighton, 86% of their games have seen both teams score, you know, ri- ridiculous return rate. 
Um, <laughs> over two and a half goals, actually, for both teams is, is only just above 60%. And that's the sort of caveat here. There's there's bright, five of Brighton's last six have seen under two and a half goals. Um, but I, I put that down to variance, to be honest, because if you look at in terms of chance creation in those games, all five had... Uh, over 2.5 in terms of uh, collectively, comfortably expected goals. So just poor finishing, good goalkeeping. Um, so yeah, I, again, really, really easy bet here. I would be. I, I think the game almost starts 1-1, and then we go from there. Um, but I'll, I'll be disappointed if if it has if it does finish 1-1, as a lot of Brighton games have been. But as I say, I just think that's just small sample size, bad luck. So yeah, rinse and repeat. Goals in Brighton. Mark, you've been quite positive about Luton at home recently and for much of the season actually yeah so i'm going to combine two angles which we've covered quite consistently when talking about both of these two teams this season it makes up a, a 2.12 bet builder um the first of which is luton plus two on the handicap so we need luton to win draw or lose by a maximum of one goal um this leg has won in every game at kenilworth road so far this season for luton they get to lose by two goals or more at home despite playing liverpool city Arsenal, Newcastle, Spurs, Chelsea and West Ham. They've only not played Villa, Brighton and United in the top half of the table. Um, they've also scored nine of ten home league games, which is exceptional. Um, that's the same hit rate for scoring at home as Arsenal at the Emirates and Liverpool at Anfield. Um, I know they don't score the same amount of goals, but uh, you know, they're getting on the score sheet as regularly as those big teams. Home and away, they've actually failed to score just four times in 20, as Stinch has outlined, and they're playing a Brighton side with only two clean sheets all season, only one of which came away from home. So if Luton score, Brighton will need three goals to see that handicap lose. And I think it's worth mentioning too, Brighton haven't been consistent for a while. Um, I know they have been dogged by injuries, like most sides have, but it's three league wins in 15, one away league win since mid-September. So I do quite like that handicap, Mark. And secondly, just following on from Stinch, really, it's both teams to score, um, which we've seen and uh, successfully backed quite regularly with Luton and Brighton. Um, Brighton over the last couple of years, really, doesn't require too much justification from a Brighton style. We know all about their style and approach. Um, all the raw stats too. And they have played out successive nil-nil draws, but yeah, I'd be stunned if that followed if that theme followed again here. So BTTS has banked in, what, 15 of Luton's 20 and 18 of Brighton's 21. Luton have kept one clean sheet. Brighton have kept two. Brighton have scored in 18 of 21. Luton have scored in 16 of 20 and 9 of 10 at home. So I think the combination works quite well. And I like Stinch. I'll be happy if the game ends 1-1 because I'll be paid out as well. Um, I just need Brighton not to run away with it. And it's 2.12. So um, I think it's quite a nice way of just kind of getting both both angles on the side. Lovely stuff. That's all we have time for, sadly, on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Remember, our usual weekend previews will be up and running later this week with all of your favourites, including Mark O'Hare's Scott Watch. Uh, all of our shows on YouTube, by the way, our new Betfair channel for non-racing content, so make sure you like and subscribe from Stitch, from Mark and from me. It's goodbye for now.